Well, good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you once again in this new year. And as we gather together to wrap up tonight the series that we've been in since Christmas, we're really wrapping up everything we've been looking at since the beginning of the Advent season. I think all the way back to the end of November, it feels like a long time ago now, doesn't it? But all the way back there, we began to answer the question, who came down? Thinking about what were the implications of Jesus coming down? Who is he really? What was he really doing? What was he challenging the people of his time to understand about himself? And what is he challenging us to think about himself? And then we also, on Monday nights, looked at uh, what areas is Jesus working in us and what does he do to move us from the mortality of our flesh to the immortality of eternal life? And that led us all the way to Christmas Day, where we started this series, where we've been thinking about spreading joy. And that's been in conjunction with our 12 days of Christmas journey through the fruit of the Spirit. All kinds of things going on, and they they felt like separate pieces, but hopefully we've been seeing them start to converge. And tonight we're going to think, how do we tie that all up with a bow? How do we see it all come together in a way that we don't put it away with the Christmas decorations? Because as we think about this new year, that's really what we're challenged to think. Christmas, I love the fact that it comes right before the new year, because every year, if we look at Christmas correctly, it's challenging us to think about that new year. We talk about all the opportunities of a new year. It's challenging us to think about how do we take the truth of who God is into that new year and serve people with that. Last night, we we saw a portion of that. We, we began a series on the Magi, the wise men, and, and how they boldly came. They, they'd studied the scriptures, and then they responded to God, and they came to worship the newborn king. In that, we see something about them. We see how God orchestrated history in such a way that they would encounter his word. He orchestrated history in such a way that people who wanted to encounter his word would have the means to go and encounter him. And then he recorded that journey. He put it in his words so that we encounter it ourselves again and again. And we see those people who came and faithfully worshiped Jesus. So we see all that. And we see very clearly how they belong, how they took those things we've been talking about and they embraced them and, and they fit into God's story. But sometimes we come to that and then we think, but, but what about me? Do I belong? Do I, do I matter anywhere in this story? We, Tim, you can talk all about going and boldly serving God like we're doing on Sunday nights, and that's great for those who actually belong, but do I belong? Maybe you sort of feel like someone feels, you may have had this experience representing your work or your school or, or maybe a community organization, you're invited to a dinner, and it's a bunch of people honoring maybe some some guest at the dinner that, that you don't know, and there's a bunch of people you don't know that are there, and, and you're just meant to be there to represent that, that group or organization that sent you, and, and you arrive, and clearly there's a bunch of people that, that know each other, clearly there's a bunch of people who belong at this dinner. But you kind of ask yourself the question, am I even at the right place? I, I don't know anyone here, and I don't really feel like I fit in. You start to, to look around the tables, and you finally spot a table, and and, and you see the little name card with your name on it. It tells you, yeah, I, th I think maybe I belong, but I still feel kind of awkward. But then you start to look around the table and you realize there are some other people, maybe from your same organization, that have also been sent there. I had this experience uh, a few times at a previous job, and, and as I do that, it 
be kind of this journey through awkwardness thinking, am I even really supposed to be here? And what am I going to do while I'm here? And then finally, when it got to that point, and oh, there are some people I actually know here. And yes, my name really is there. I could say, okay, I belong. I don't quite know how this evening is going to go. I don't know maybe fully why I'm there, but I belong. And I think a lot of times as we read God's word, we feel like we've been invited to a banquet. And we see all the other guests, the ones that seem to know what they're doing, how they're going to be boldly serving God and so on. And we think, but but do I belong there? What Paul's going to help us to think about tonight is how, yes, we actually do. And we see that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, right after the list of the fruit of the Spirit that we've been exploring. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong. And he's writing to people that he wants them to hear this and say, Oh, I am I'm included in this group. I belong. How do they belong? Because they followed Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, then this message is also for you. And if you're tonight thinking, well, I don't know if I follow Jesus. I'm, I've been trying to figure out what I believe. Well, this message is also for you because it, maybe you arrive at that banquet and the name tag isn't already on the table. But then what do we find in God's word? Well, he's inviting you over to the reception desk where, what do you know, your name tag is waiting for you to claim. You belong. That's the message that we're exploring tonight as we wrap everything up in our different Christmas series. And let's come before God and ask him to help us to understand how how we belong tonight. Will you join me? Father, a lot of times it's really hard to understand how we fit in. We see an example like the wise men or or even other people doing your work in the church or, or, or explaining your word or studying your word or whatever it might be. And it looks like they belong. We feel like the guest who maybe accidentally got invited to the banquet. We're not even really sure if we did get invited to the banquet. Lord, tonight, would you help us to understand how we belong? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's where we start with what Paul says there. As he's listed out the fruit of the Spirit, there might be a sense in the readers of the time, I'm pretty certain there would have been some of them, and and certainly as we read through it, we might think, well, maybe this list is saying, I don't belong, because I, I read through all the things I'm supposed to show as a Christian, and there's a lot of times I fall short of this. Maybe if you jump back a few more verses, we didn't look at this in this particular series, but if you jump back to verse 19 and you look at the things that aren't the fruit of the Spirit, the things of this world, the things of the flesh, we say, well, it almost sounds more like I belong there. It starts to sound like the fruit of the Spirit is something that we need to accomplish, and if we can hit that mark that this is who we are instead, then we belong. But until then, we're aimlessly searching that banquet and not finding our name tag. We're we're maybe never going to find it. The dinner's going to be served, and the dessert's going to be served, and the the various events of the night are going to happen, and we're going to still be searching, and the janitor's going to switch off the light at the end of the night, and we never did belong. But that's not what Paul's saying here. That's not what God wants us to hear. I love that John Calvin, as he reflects on this passage, takes us to Romans chapter 6. We read there in verse 5, For if we have been united with him in death like his, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. What's Paul referring to there in Romans 6? 
we know that Jesus went to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that he went and received the sort of death that we should receive. And so if we trust in him, if we follow him, that resurrected life that, that he showed to, to the disciples and then to many others, that, that resurrected life that he continues to live, Jesus is alive, is a life for us as well. That's the determining factor. Do we follow Jesus or not? The righteousness comes from that. As, as Paul describes these examples of righteousness with the fruit of the Spirit, what he's saying is, here's the things that are a reality now for us. It's like some business that has the owner's name on it, and then the owner sells the business. The new person that buys it, that's the reality of the place now, but he may not get around to changing the name right away. Maybe he never changes the name. There have been plenty of businesses that keep the founder's name long after the founder has nothing to do with it. Maybe, though, we see the little banner go on the front under new management. And that's what's really going to determine the truth about that business. Because that new owner is going to decide what the prices are, how the customers are treated, who should be hired and who shouldn't be, all those sorts of things. That's the reality, even if the name on the building is still someone else. It's even more dramatic for us, though, because the owner of the business wasn't just someone who decided to retire and sell the business. No, the owner of the business was evicted from the business. The owner was arrested for criminal behavior. We think about our own inclination to sin and, and the forces of evil, and they're calling us to sin. Jesus has thrown that all out. And, and there's a new manager in town. There's a new boss. And that's the reality, even if the name on the building still looks the same. And even if some of the decor still hasn't been updated. Yes, sometimes we do look more like the stuff of verse 19 and following, the, the works of the flesh. We still have enmity and strife. We still envy and have divisions and, and jealousy and anger and on and on and on. We still have all those things. But that's not the reality anymore. And when we kind of start to lean into that because we think, well, that's just the way I am, the challenge here is why are we taking orders from the old boss that's been fired, who's been hauled off to jail? Why are we acting like he's still in charge why are we trying to do it on our own as if our own self could do it when we have a new boss in town, someone who's there to save the business, to restore it, and to make it what it should be? Why aren't we listening to him? Because that's really the challenge of the fruit of the Spirit is to, to recognize what God's doing in us, to recognize that this now is the true reality in life, and to quit looking at ourselves and thinking somehow our own abilities and our own inclinations, that those are the reality. But it's hard to break the habit, isn't it? I was thinking about my microwave. Now, for a number of years, the microwave had a broken handle on it. And if you tried to open the door by grabbing onto the handle, the handle would just pop out of place. It wouldn't open the door. And so you had to reach under. The, the microwave still worked okay. You could just reach under the door, and there was a little ledge there, and you could grab onto it, and you could open the door, and then use the microwave. Still worked okay for a long time. It quit working finally. And now it's been gone for several months. A new microwave is in place. But what do I find about myself? Well, that new microwave didn't come with a broken handle. It has a perfectly fine handle. But how often do I still reach underneath the door and try to grab that ledge? Sometimes I actually go ahead and do it because I'm still acting in the habit of being in that place with a broken microwave. 
too often in life we're reaching and grabbing on, trying to make do because we're living in the brokenness of sin and not recognizing that, that God's ripped out that microwave and put a new one in that actually works. The fruit of the Spirit is that working stove, that working microwave. It's ready to produce good things and it doesn't need us to, to somehow try to get around its brokenness. It doesn't mean there isn't still brokenness that we're experiencing where those habits die hard. The, the sign on the building is still out of date, but the reality has changed. If we're struggling to, to live more like Jesus, if we're struggling to do the things that we see in the fruit of the Spirit, where do we start? We start by understanding what Paul says here, that we belong to him. We don't just belong to him. He didn't buy out the store, but, but leave everything broken inside. No, what does he do? He comes into our lives to enable us to do the things he calls us to do. And that's what we see as we move on in Galatians 5.25. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. These are the verses we wrapped up our devotional guide with this year. And as, as we looked at those, I just wanted to spend a few more moments on them because notice Let's actually go back. I want to put it back on screen so you can see this. Paul says, if we live by the Spirit. Now, Paul uses this sort of phrasing frequently. And the assumption we're supposed to take here is, if we live by the Spirit, parentheses, and of course we do, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Paul wants us to be thinking, not, well, okay, maybe if I happen to live by the Spirit. No, what does he want these people to understand? People he's addressing as brothers and sisters in Christ. You do live by the Spirit. The Spirit is in you. If you believe in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to walk with him? Because he's in your life. He's there. We don't want to soften that by thinking Paul's just saying, well, if this happens to be true. Now, Paul is assuming here, is a, is a, he's being very rhetorical in his, his phrasing here. He wants them to, to enjoy the phrasing. He's, he's using all of his abilities of writing. But the, the gist of it is, those who are Jesus's, those who belong to him, those who thus have had the flesh, their sin nature crucified, they have the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. So it comes back to the Spirit again. If you think about the fruit of the Spirit, everything we've been talking about, we kept talking about how it comes down to that God is going to bring these things out in us, that the Spirit is going to bring this out. And that's where we land. That's where it ends. Because that's the whole story. If we're trying to, to show the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if we're trying to show these things, if we're going to try to show the the lack of envy, the the lack of conceit, the lack of provocation, the, all those things we've just been talking about? How are we going to do it? We're going to do it by living in Him, by walking with the Spirit, and recognizing that these aren't the things that are going to make us walk by the Spirit, but rather the things that we do because the Spirit is in us, He is there right in us, and enables us to walk with Him. That's the crucial difference. As long as we think that somehow we're going to do these things and then we've earned the Spirit being in us, that then He'll come, we're in big, big trouble. But if we say, well, you mean He really has put the new management sign up on me? 
You, you, you mean it's not just me trying to somehow better myself anymore? He's going to help me to love and to have joy and have peace and patience and so on? It changes the whole game. That's where we are. Let me bring up a, an unpleasant subject for a moment. I, I think all of us over the last few years have probably had to go someplace where you had to take a COVID test. And maybe you kind of grimace at even the thought of having to do that. When I go over to see my uncle in the nursing home he's in, they, they have a whole bin. It, it looks like a well, you put candy in or something, but it's just a bunch of COVID tests. And when you come in, you have to swab your nose and take the test. Well, what are those tests doing? Well, they're looking as you take that swab and you put it in the solution. It's looking for the signs of COVID having a presence in your body. It's looking for, is there a virus in there? Because if there's a virus in there, what's it going to do? Viruses create evidence of their presence. They, they manifest it by, by multiplying. And it's not perfect, but what you normally are looking for is, well, if you really have a good case of COVID, you're probably going to have some of it that's evidenced in your nose and that swab's going to pick it up because multiplying the evidence. Well, in a way, when we think about the fruit of the spirit, it's sort of like taking that test, but for a very positive virus, so to speak. God comes into our life and he comes in and he takes over our lives just like a virus is trying to, but in a positive way, in a restorative way. Because when he comes in, he also puts out evidence. And, and the fruit of the spirit is that evidence. We don't even have to swab your nose for it. It should just be evident as we live not evident in a cough. It's evident in the way that we care about people. It's evident in the way that we don't put ourselves first. It's evident in the way that we rest in him. Not perfectly, just like sometimes those tests give a false negative. Well, sometimes our sin nature, what's left of it is the new management is taking down all the old decorations. It's still there, still showing up, and sometimes it throws off the test. So we shouldn't turn this into, well, if I run into someone and, and he or she doesn't have perfect love and joy and peace, we'll just stop there. We, we've just ruled out everybody, right? But on the other hand, as we look at our own lives and we, and we reflect, am I living as God wants me to live? What we should say is, am I showing some of the symptoms here of God's positive virus in my life? Is, is he bringing that out in me? And as he works in us, the thing that we should find is that even when it's not there, that's desperately what we want to be there. We looked over December through Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, that beautiful, beautiful hymn. And it has the phrase, Alleluia, 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 Lord Most High, that praise, that heavenly praise that we see in Scripture that the angels give the Lord. And as we think about that and we think about how can I sing that to God. We have a song we sing at church sometimes, I raise a hallelujah. How do we raise a hallelujah to God? How do we really do it? We do it by walking with him, by saying, God, even when I'm struggling to show love and joy and peace, would you help me to? Even when I'm not patient or kind, even when I'm not good, would you help me to be? Because I can't do it on my own. And we praise God by saying, God, I know you're the one in control. You're the one who can do this want to walk with you. What Paul is helping us to understand here is that it's all about belonging. It's all about whom is it that we belong to. And when we understand that we belong to 
to our God and that he is there with us and that that name card is on the table for us or is waiting at that, that reception desk for us. And then we realize something else that he hasn't just put a name there for us and left us alone, but far better than when you arrive at that table and see a few familiar faces, we see the very spirit of God who is there with us saying, you belong. So as we think about this new year and we think about how we live, should we challenge ourselves to, to be more loving and more joyful and more peaceful and more patient and so on? Absolutely. But not because we think that somehow we're going to bring that on ourselves. But we say to the one who's right there with us saying, you belong. This is what it, I want your help with this year, Lord. Help me to show this. Help me to do this so that I can help other people to feel your belonging, to, to, to know who you are and to want to be with you. We praise God by faithfulness to him, the faithfulness that we can't do on our own, but he enables us to do. We sit at that banquet table with him, and, and then we start to show the fruit of the Spirit. And by that, we get to the title of this series, we spread joy. And that's the joy we have in this new year. It doesn't end at Christmas. We should be people of joy every day. If there's one thing that we can do, if we can show this fruit of the Spirit and actually exemplify joy to this world in this new year, then we've had a very, very good year. Let's pray that we can do that this year. Father, would you help us to remember that we belong to you? Would you help us not to, to feel awkwardly alone in the banquet, but to know that you were there with us? Would you help us to see our name there? And be reminded that you, to be reminded that you love us, that, that we do belong. And then as we realize that, and we realize that you are helping us every step of the way, would you help us to bring joy into the lives of those around us? That we would truly have joy in our lives. But then we'd show the, the positive symptoms of that positive virus, that we would be coughing joy all over the place, that people would catch it, that they would want to catch it because it'd be such a wonderful thing. That more people would know that they belong to. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I hope this has been an encouragement to you, and if it has you know the drill. Would you please give it a like and a share? If you share it on social media, you increase our reach with the Word of God. And, and that's a wonderful thing that we get to partner together in. So please do give it a share. Please do give it a like. Please do follow all our social media. You can find us on everywhere, on X, on Facebook, on YouTube, on Mastodon, on Instagram. Let's use these media tools to get more of this message that that everyone can belong to our Lord, that this hope is there for them and for all of us out to this world in this new year. If you want to relive any of the things that we've been putting together over these past few weeks, I, I talked about all the different areas we explored. If you'd like to revisit any of that over the this week, maybe you'd like to stop by our brand new site, 12 days of dot Christmas, 12 days of dot Christmas. And that's going to be an archive of this year's Christmassy goodness we already have some of the things from years past in there. I'll be loading more in. And then, of course, we'll have brand new things next year. But it's a way right now that you can go back and revisit what we've seen. Also, we have a brand new series next week, Able to Sin. I, I can't wait to share this with you. We're going to explore Genesis chapter 4. We often kind of just go right over chapter 4. But chapter 4 starts with Cain murdering his brother Abel. And we see how that plays out. So we see that 
sin that comes into the world and then what comes from that. And we're going to think about what happens when people are able to sin. What does God do in that circumstance? I think it's going to be a really helpful time and a, a, a kind of a neat way to explore the very beginning of the Old Testament in this new year. So please do join us 7 p.m. next week for that. If you have any prayer requests, any questions, feel free to shoot me a message at our prayer text line. That's 833-356-4032 or leave a comment in the comments below. It's always, always great, great to hear from you. Hope you have, have a wonderful, wonderful and, and blessed week. And I'm going to slip it in one more time. A Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas and, and of course, a Happy, happy new, year. new Year. I'll, I'll see, see you very, very soon. soon.